Hey guys, we are tiptoeing into a long-term series entitled Calling All Mystics, subtitled Notes from the Road. (laughs) Hey guys, this is The Construction Monk. We are talking about an experiential relationship with God in terms of the Christian religion. Jesus was a mystic. Paul was a mystic. John, Peter, Jude, James. (laughs) They were all mystics. What does that mean? It means that their focus in their religious practices was experiencing God in a real way. And the main way we do that is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is why baptism in the Holy Spirit is central to the message and gospel of Christ. And so, in real simple terms, being a Christian mystic versus being a Christian convert or a Christian practitioner means that the focus of your Christianity is experience. Today, we're going to talk about that kind of experience in terms of flow. And what do I mean by flow? This is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Stewart. Let's get into the conversation about flow. A few months ago, a friend of mine sent me a video of this Jewish rabbi named Rabbi Yom Tov Glasser. I think I got that right. (laughs) Let me see. Yom Tov Glasser. Yeah, he's a rabbi. And he was teaching about this idea of the Ten Sephirot. It's an idea from Jewish Kabbalism. There's this collection of Jewish mystical teachings that that's called the Kabbal or Kabbalic teaching, right? So every religion has their mysticism. And it is, like I've said, just the idea that what we're learning can be experienced and is meant to be. If you didn't know, all religion begins with mystics. Mystics are people that have an experience of the divine, of God. They have this revelation, this, this, you know, giving of God, of something to them, wisdom, principles, practices, whatever. And right out of that comes religion, right? But from this experience of individuals can come institutions, right? And that's not bad, like a collection of ideas and practices, liturgy, whatever you want to call it, right? But those things are meant to bring us back to experience. It's like it begins with experience, it coalesces into principles, and then it should bring us back to experience. Because that's the point. Um, For all our scientific mindedness in the modern age, we've lost the practicality and the importance of, of subjective experience. Like most of the time, our value for truth is this detached, objective perspective. You know, the idea is that if we could step back from our personal experience and emotions and personal ego and and just look at the truth uninhibited by our personhood, we would have the best view of truth. 
And one, we know that's not possible. We can't detach from ourselves to see truth. But two, that's not even the point. Right? And especially in religion, when we're reaching towards God, the, the goal isn't that we would remove ourselves from the process and just have some kind of objective view of truth. Our goal is right to experience that truth personally. I don't just want to know about the fruits of the Holy Spirit objectively. Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't want to just have an objective viewing of those things. I don't want to just know about the theory of joy. I want to experience joy in my life. I want to experience goodness and peace and love, right? Subjective experience leads the way. And this is what the mystic values. Like, okay, so we need objective reality. There is the objective reality of God and the physical world and even of the spiritual world. That These are objective things. But we want to experience them subjectively. So there is the thing itself, and then there's our experience of it, right? And the experience is the manifestation of the thing. It's really interesting. You cannot see yourself, but you see through yourself. You experience through yourself, the world and yourself, right? You experience your thoughts, your emotions. You are in a body, But that is not who you are. None of those things are who you are. The body is a tent, as Scripture says. The emotions and thoughts emanate from ourselves. And so we see through ourselves, but we don't see ourselves. And this is where faith plays an important role. And the Ten Sephirot really teach this idea that there there is the essence of God who is pure spirit. And there is the essence of ourselves who are pure spirit. And then there are the emanations of those things. And the ten sephirot have this idea that there are ten emanations, right? Um, Let me go back to my notes. I I can't even pronounce these things, but these these are the attributes of God through which God has expressed himself into the world and has expressed the world into being, right? Um, And they're aligned with different parts of the body, which is really interesting. These are like the energies of God that flow into the world. And in like terms, these are the energies that flow from our spirits through our souls to our bodies. And this is about flow, the flow of energy, okay? One of the main things I learned listening to Rabbi Yom Tov Glasser was the basic concept of these things in terms of limit and flow. Now, the ten sephirot and how they align with our body, there's three around the head, there's some around the chest, the, you know, the hips, the legs. Like, I don't understand the detailed principles of all ten, but what I came to understand listening to Rabbi Glasser was the importance of limit and flow. So the idea is that there is energy flowing from our spirit, through the soul, into the body. But in the idea of our fallenness, where our personhood has been, you know, broken and become dysfunctional, it's that the flow isn't happening properly or fully. There is a limitation, an improper limitation to the flow. So, like, what God began to show me in this concept of limit and flow was that I was flowing too much in some ways and not enough in others. Um, one of the first things God began to show me, I'm very emotive, compassionate, 
I'm a deep feeler. I'm empathic. I do feel a lot from other people. And I just began to kind of in walking with God and talking with God in my daily life, which is just something that I do. God began to show me how much I was flowing too much out towards others. And so he began to say, do you see how your compassion for others just is wrecking you all the time because you're over-identifying with how people are feeling. And it's like God began to say, like, what good is that? What, what is that doing for you? What is that doing for them? It was really kind of interesting because for the first time in my life, I began to ask the question of myself and God. Like, why do I even have feelings? What are the, what's the purpose of feelings? And the more emotive side of ourselves is in line with the Holy Spirit. And so this, the Holy Spirit communicates in the flow of his spirit to our spirit more emotively. And as, as I've said, that aligns with different parts of our body. And the ten sephirot, you know, kind of link up in some ways with the six parts of the armor that Paul talks about in Ephesians. There is this flow of power from different parts of our spirit to different parts of our body. Right? But I began to ask God, like, why do we feel at all? What's the purpose? And God began to say and show, like, first of all, with me, I was feeling too much in some ways and not enough in others. And I was using my feeling and my flow inappropriately. Like, you know, it was very practical. It was like I could see someone walking down the side of the road, head down. And I could just have that sense of discouragement, hopelessness, abandonment. I could see it in their face. I could feel it from their spirit. And then I would feel it in my spirit and I would be wrecked and kind of depressed about them. As I'm passing them by and I would never see them again in my whole life. And yet I would get caught up in this emotive feeling (laughs) about that person. Sorry, I was, I burped as I spoke and the flow was too much. (laughs) But so God was like, what, what are you doing there? Why are you feeling wrecked for all these people that, you know, don't really know and You're not doing anything more for them other than feeling bad for them. And God was showing me in those instances like that I was flowing out with my emotions in ways that just weren't helpful to others or myself. And so God began to kind of show me in that instance like I needed to limit that flow because it didn't serve a purpose. It actually was harming me. So there was a need for a limit. But then God began to show me that I wasn't flowing enough in other ways. And God began to address the different parts of my body and the flow that wasn't happening. And so I've already talked about how in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the mind set on the flesh and how that is death and how the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. All right, so this is how God has helped me conceptualize it. Our spirits flow through our soul to our body. The mind set on the flesh, mind and soul are the same. And this is, this is Jewish teaching. The Jews had this idea that when, when God created man, he created the physical body, right, out of the earth, dirt, atoms. <laughs> Adam came from atoms, right? He created this physical body and then he breathed the breath of life into that body, spirit, spirit and body, met were put together and in that moment in jewish thinking 
the soul was created. And the soul was the space between the spirit and the body through which both were able to interact with each other. Soul is mind. And so from the spirit, energy effervesces through the mind to the body. And, it, and in the soul, we have two components, thoughts and feelings. Like we feel things in our body, we think things in our mind. Both of those things come from our spirit, through the soul, to the body, to ourself, from ourself, right? Right? But the thing is, our truest self is our spirit. Our physical self is our body. Our conceptual self is mind and emotions. Meaning, what emanates from our spirit are feelings and thoughts. And we can feel those things in our body and the effect of those things in our body. But our physical body is not, is not us. It's a manifestation. It's actually a manifestation from the Spirit of God who created the physical body. But also a manifestation of our spiritual self in our bodies through the soul. So our truest self, we can never really see, but we can conceptualize it. But how we conceptualize it matters. That's the soul, the mind. That affects how we flow from our spirit to our body. And so the mindset on the flesh, which is death, is the idea that we are a physical person with a mind and we control ourselves with our thinking. And the emotions somehow effervesce from those things, from our body and our mind. Our mind controlling our body produces these chemical reactions in our body, which we think are emotions. That's not true. Emotions and thoughts flow from our spirit and they register in our bodies. But they're both manifestations of our flow. When you feel things, it's directed from the spirit through the soul to the body. The problem, though, is in the soul, when we're caught up in thinking and trying to think our body by controlling it with our thoughts, what we're doing is constricting our flow. So think of it this way. Your spirit is flowing to your body through your mind, but when you stop that flow in your mind and try to mitigate and control it with your thinking, you're mitigating the flow of yourself. You're literally feeling, thinking things and going, should I really be feeling, thinking those things? And then what's appropriate to think and feel and what do I like and what do I not like? And we're trying to control ourselves with our mind, not understanding that we are a spirit and we flow through the mind, through the soul, to the body. So this is the essence of attempting to be our own gods, even over ourselves. We're trying to control ourselves in an unnatural way. We actually cannot even control ourselves. The Holy, we need the Holy Spirit in us to facilitate the unity in ourselves, between ourselves, and we also need the Holy Spirit to facilitate our unity with the world around us. Like, it's really interesting. The, the universe is mostly space. Like, even in scientific terms, we know this. Like, between planets, the cosmos, it's mostly space. This is what science has come to term as dark matter. Uh, string theory has attempted to explain what is in all that space. Like, things can't just 
hang in the middle of space. <laughs> it's not like it's not possible. There has to be that space has to be something. It's what science has called dark matter and has attempted to explain through string theory. Like space is something. There's something in that space that is a something. And they string theory has tried to conceptualize it as matter. Dark matter. So it's like antimatter in a sense, but matter that is not like matter in the terms we think. <laughs> um, but string theory is kind of breaking down the more they've tried to enact it out. Right? It's a theory that has seemed to not work in practicality, although it's hard to work it out, right? But like even our in our personhood, like our, our atoms are are mostly space, right? There's the nucleus, the proton, neutron. Um, a electron, right? But it, it's like a miniature solar system. Every, every atom, which is, I think, cool. You have these patterns at the, from the micro to the macro. But like it, an atom is mostly space. We're made up of atoms. We're mostly space. The entire universe is mostly space. What's in that space? Energy, right? What is that energy? Well, it is the energy of God. It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit literally unifies everything. This is why Scripture calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of unity. But in a, a larger sense, conceptually, the Holy Spirit unifies us and our personhood. The Holy Spirit is in the space between our spirit and body, the space between even our atoms, in our atoms. But the Holy Spirit is also in the space between us and everything else. Like The Holy Spirit is meant to facilitate our orientation and relationship with everything, with ourselves, in ourselves, and with ourselves in the world. What happens, though, in the mindset on the flesh is that we become our own God. We are trying to orient ourselves in the world by controlling ourselves and the world in a wrong way. In that sense, we don't know how to flow properly in ourselves or in the world. And we're not actually flowing at all. Mostly, we're mitigating our flow. We're trying to control it. We're trying to stop. We're, we're trying to stop it in the midst of it flowing, and then siphon it and constrict it and say, "Well, I, this flow is okay, and that is not." And we're actually trained to do that by the wrong system in the world, the kingdom of darkness, this negative spiritual energy from a negative spiritual kingdom. That kingdom wants to constrict the flow of our spirit. Why? I've already talked about that. Because that kills us. Why? Because literally it constricts the flow of our spirit and the Holy Spirit from the spiritual through the soul to our body. Like the energy of life is not able to flow from spirit through soul to body. And so our bodies are not getting the energy they need from our spirits and all the proper orientation of those things, right? The ten sephirot, you know, limit and flow. The ten sephirot, the six parts of our armor, as Paul talks about, these things practically mean that the flow from our spirit to our body isn't happening properly. Too much flow in the mind, too little in the body. So the name of the game concerning death is constriction. Is a, an ever more increasing limitation of the flow. We're not flowing enough and we're flowing too much in other ways. So the energy from our spirit can't flow to our body in the areas it's meant to, area to area, spirit to body. What we find is that we are always limiting too much in the flow of our spirit to our body in most circumstances. The first thing we need to do is to learn how to flow. 
just just to let things flow like this is hard to do because we're trained to really we're trying to curate the energy in ourselves as it flows out and practically that's just like well not everything i feel should come forth not everything i sh- i think should come forth because people may not like it and so we're curating ourselves for others and we're expecting others to curate themselves for us and we actually do this you know we tell people you can't say that to me you can't do that you can't act that way um i began to notice this very practically with my kids children have a very excessive flow exuberant flow and like god just began to to point out to me how i would experience the flow of my children in their emotions and thoughts and actions and it was so piercing to me it was so uh, abrasive you know too lo- a noise that was too loud or a, an emotion that was too much and i would feel it so intensely and my reaction was you're being too loud you're being too wild you're being too expressive you know you need to you need to constrict that flow because <laughs> it was it was literally painful to me it felt like pain in my body but i i think it was actually pain in the this wrong nature what scripture calls the sin nature or the mindset on the flesh there's this blockage in my soul i talked about that feeling that blockage when i felt that fiery dart through my sternum like there was something in between my spirit and my body that was painful that's a constriction i'm trying to control energy and it can't flow either way All right i noticed this with my kids but god began to say that's not it's not painful to you because what they're doing but because how you've oriented yourself because you are not used to feeling the flow of spirit things properly so you've made it painful through your orientation because you don't understand the necessity of open flow and so <clears throat> we get ourselves in this place concerning the flow of our spirits where we were constricting that flow we're preventing it way too much and of course it, it brings death to our bodies but it's very oppressive to us and we can't even begin to understand who we are in terms of our spirit because it's so constricted and cut off the first thing we need to do is learn to let it flow whatever you're feeling thinking let it out um one of the big ways god taught me this was through my anger a couple of years ago i think uh, probably more like 3 years ago god began to invite me into my anger and my dad was abusive he had a temper his anger flowed too much in my opinion and it was hurtful to me so i decided anger was just bad and i wasn't going to be angry well i still got angry but what happened was i was i decided to constrict the flow of that particular emotion which is the breastplate of righteousness you feel it in your chest what i thought was anger was really my sense of righteousness righteousness justice it's my ability to see what is good and bad to see what is wrong to see what might be inappropriate in myself or others right that's in the chest i talked about that in uh use the force i believe in uh calling all misfits um God began to show me that I was constricting my anger so much and then it would build up and come out in unhealthy ways and in, in extreme ways. But I began to feel it in my chest. When I would get angry, I felt this tension in my chest. 
You know what that tension was? Constriction. My spirit was trying to flow from this area of power. And in my soul, there was a blockage. It's what we could call a stronghold, like a wall. And there was this huge wall in my chest from this flow of my spirit that I understood as anger, but it was really the flow of power to my body in a way that was expressing, hey, this isn't right. This, it was just an expression of my spirit in terms of rightness and righteousness. Right? It's necessary. But I was feeling this constriction. It was very painful, stifling. When your spirit's flowing through your soul to your body, but in your soul mind, in your thinking, in wrong sense of control, you're like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. It builds. And it builds as a tension. This is also why we have panic attacks because energy is trying to flow and we're saying, I don't want that energy to flow. And it builds up and it builds up and it can be experienced as <clears throat> tension in lots of different ways. But it's a constriction. It's like a wall. We can experience it as a panic attack. Not because of the energy being too much, but because it's trying to come through and it's blocked. And so it builds up inside us and it gets expressed in these extreme ways and it feels bad. But it's not bad. There's a miswiring from the spirit through the soul to the body, remember? <clears throat> so things aren't flowing properly. The first thing you have to begin to do is just let it flow. And so as God invited me in this particular instance to feel my anger and to be angry, it was really hard. And I basically, for, for a long time, I just told God, no, like, I shouldn't be angry. Anger is not good. And God was like, oh, really? <laughs> really? It's not good. Do I get angry? Look at the Old Testament. Yeah? So anger can't be evil, but how we express it can be. In, in Scripture, I can't remember what Scripture this is. It's Paul. He says, I think it might be Romans. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Ooh, you know, this is really interesting. In your anger, do not sin. Sin is separation. Sin is cutting things off that shouldn't be cut off. That's the limitation of flow in the wrong way. He's saying... So sin is separation. Sin is what separates us from others. It's, it's like saying, I no longer want to be in, re in relationship with you, which is like, I no longer want to be in flow with you. Sin, in your anger, in the flow of your spirit in this area, do not sin. Do not cut yourself off from people or from the flow. And don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning don't leave it unresolved. But also, don't leave it pent up and and contained because that's unhealthy think about all the flow of our spirit being trapped inside us and it can't flow out man that's so oppressive it does build up and it comes out in all these wrong ways and it, it, it is this pressure one it's not letting this energy flow to our bodies to give our bodies life two it's not letting us express ourselves as we truly are we're curating ourselves we're creating this concept of ourselves in our minds and we're trying to mitigate the flow of our spirit through this funnel of a false self. And basically, it's like all these walls preventing us from truly flowing. And the thing we need to really learn to do is just to be ourselves in every moment and to let our spirit flow. What happens, though, as you begin to do that is it doesn't come out really well at first. It flows out too much. And in a world where everyone is like, you need to constrict yourself because we don't want to experience all these things from you because we're all curating ourselves for the sake of each other, it's not very acceptable <clears throat> when you get too angry or too over, 
anything. <laughs> you know, that's what I love about my kids. Now I love it. Now I feel their exuberance a lot more because I don't have the blockages. <clears throat> but like, especially with anger, as God began to ask me to let it out, you know what happened? As I let that flow happen and as it came out, it was messy. It wasn't good. Like it didn't flow out properly, but I hadn't learned to let it flow. You have to do something poorly before you learn to do it well. But as it began to came, come out, then it was manifesting from, this, from my spirit, right? But then it could be seen. I could feel it. It could be seen. And God and I could begin to talk about it. You can't deal with something that you're hiding from or hiding inside yourself. So it was really messy. It was a two, three-year period of letting my anger come out. And it was not taken well by others. And it still is not. But it's the only way I've been able to deal with my anger and this flow and learn to flow more properly and more responsibly, more appropriately, right? I, can still, I still struggle. But the one thing I've learned is that it has to come out. It's healthy to come out. And eventually I will learn how it can flow naturally as a part of me and, and how it can be integrated because that's the other thing with all these parts, the ten sephirat, these ten part energy centers is that they're they're not only not flowing from their center through the from the spirit through the body but they're not connected with each other they're disconnected and so i i I saw that my anger chest center wasn't connected to my affection relationship center in my groin area right and so i sometimes i was over affectionate and compassionate and wrecked Sometimes I was over angry and justice oriented and wrecked. But when you combine those two, and I could actually feel the energy in between these two centers starting to connect those two. When I could feel love and justice together, then love tempered my justice and justice tempered my love. And so that I could react to injustice with, with love in that same energy and I could react in a loving way with justice balancing me, right? So if I, in compassion, if I was wrecked by someone, justice would say, hey, like you're hurting yourself and you're not helping them. Justice, righteousness, right? Like what's the right way to express these things? What's the right way to show love? And love would say to justice, what's the loving way to be just? <laughs> and then like there was this, the flow was not only increasing from these centers outward, but between all the centers in me. It was all about flow and like me trying to control and constrict myself and me expecting others to control and constrict themselves and me trying to control others in the wrong way and relate to others in the wrong way. It was all constriction of the flow. What God's doing for me first is inviting me to just flow, stop constricting everything. Like, until you do that, you can't even start to deal with your flow. And it, it does come out in ways that just aren't correct. But as long as we're trying to be correct instead of flow, we're constricting ourselves and we're not learning. There's nothing more unhealthy than an environment where you can't just be yourself. Like you can't heal if you can't let things out into the open and be messy with people. If we're all just going around curating ourselves and expecting other people to curate themselves so we don't have to feel their mess and, and they're, they're not going to deal with our mess and we don't want to deal with our mess. That's a big mess. Like we need communities where we can be messy. We don't need to curate ourselves. Curating yourself is killing yourself, literally. Especially in terms of 
the ten sephirot, the six parts of our armor, and the flow of our spirit to our body. Flow is so important. First thing you need to do is just start to flow. Like, if prayer and interaction with God is anything in, a, in the broadest sense, it's God inviting us into a space where we can just pour ourselves out before God in our mess and, and find release and relief. Like, in my more harmful religious experience, I had a lot of guilt about what I felt and what I thought. And I thought God was just dis- disappointed and disapproving of me all the time. And so I had to constrict myself and curate myself to be pleasing to God. That's what I thought religion and God was about. What I've learned now is that God's just like, he invites me to just kind of lay everything out and be open and vulnerable with him. And God's always like, God never is condemning when I flow out and express. Even when it's messy, God's like, good job, yes, let it out. Let your spirit flow and and I'll flow with you. And like as we learn to flow and the spirit flow with us and guide us in our flow, we start to come to life and we start to deal with the things in us and we start to be oriented and reoriented and put back together in the proper way. God never condemns you for being who you are. God invites us to flow. And God is trying to, to release us from the prison of this constriction of our flow. There's a lot more to talk about in that regard in terms of spirit flow. But that's a good beginning point. Like, find people and places that invite you to flow and know that God invites you to flow out. Like, let it out. Don't constrict it. That's not healthy. Literally, it's what kills us. But it doesn't kill our true self. (laughs) It actually hides our true self, our spirit. It comes through this false wiring in the soul where we're trying to control the flow instead of letting it flow through. Like the soul manifests things. It's not meant to control. It's not a place where we can try to control who we are to curate a a false self. So start to flow. And when you do, you'll learn the proper flow and the limits because we're not meant to flow out everywhere all the time. There's a limit and there's a flow. And we can't learn those until we just start to give ourselves permission to be ourselves. That's what Limit and Flow are about. I know that's kind of just a beginning explanation, but that has to do with our spirit and the reality of our spirit, which is a reality beyond what we can see, feel, experience. It really is something we can only see by faith through conceptualization, through imagination. But it is our, it's, it's funny because our truest self is our least tangible. <laughs> That's, this is why the naturalist and the materialist is trapped in the most false sense of reality. Because they're only understanding themselves in the most limited terms. Their limit and flow is all messed up. As is all of ours. But like, It's backwards. If you think you're just a physical body with some kind of mind and you control your body with your mind, you're backwards. You're cut off from the true life of yourself and the true life of God, which is why the mindset on the flesh is death and the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. When our our soul is reoriented away from this idea that we're just a body in a material world, back to the reality that we're a spirit, which is intangible, 
and can only be seen conceptually through faith. Then we're oriented in the right way. And then we're understanding that we, our spirit needs to flow. And from the spirit flows these manifestations. But the real thing is our spirit and the spirit of God together. Communion. And then we can commune with other spirits, other people. And then we, we can begin to come back to life in the truest sense of how we are meant to live in the truest sense of ourself. Amen. Hey guys, this has been a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Stewart. You can catch more content at www.moderncontemplative.com. You can go see what else I'm doing. I'm putting together two videos that will hopefully be ready in a month or so. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Mm-hmm.